The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra, where you get to hear the best interviews that we have on rte.ie or slash lifestyle. This week we're talking to... In order for any change to happen, the payoff at the end has got to be greater than the current situation. The starting point always is to try to build a case for the change and make it so irrepressible or irresistible that you are impelled or motivated to act. It's Ian McLean. He is the founder of Flow Group and of Greenline Conversations. The company is helping individuals, teams and organisations to manage change. What are we talking about today? Well, it is resolution dilution. What's that all about? It's the new year. We know this. It's January. We know this. We're now into February. How are we doing on our New Year's resolutions? How are we doing on the goals that we set for ourselves? Well, Ian is here to help us to have a big look at that and also what targets, what do we need to hit to get what we want out of the year ahead. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. You're most welcome. Thank you. That's very enthusiastic. I don't know why I'm speaking like this. It could be something to do with the award season and the crown being nominated for many things. But again, huge successes. We're seeing all around us it being award season. The the Golden Globes and the crown and La La Land. But all of these projects would have started off as tiny kernels, talking about our own little kernels of hope for 2017. Give us a little bit of idea about resolution dilution. What is it that we're going to be talking about? Well, at least 40% of the population, if you believe statistics, when December turns into January, decide that they need to change. So if that's the case, we're one month into the new calendar and how well are we doing? Mm. That's the question. Are you, are you looking at me? Uh, I'm, it's probably an open question for the population no, who decided. you're right. And, you know, how do we, they say 21 days to make a change, 21 days to form a new habit. So, and a lot of people fall off the wagon within that time. So can you give us this, this, this overview of time, how we're assessing it and towards our resolutions and goals? Um, if you look at most of the statistics and studies that have been done on resolutions, and given the fact that so many people, so many popu- uh, of the population embark on the same journey at the same time, it's probably the single most studied uh, pastime or pursuit where this, the same people at the same time embark on a change program, a human change program simultaneously. So um, the bad news is that only about 8% of people actually achieve the resolution and the outcome that they're looking for, which means that 92% of them fail. But that's over a two-year period. Okay, okay. So, um, they give themselves longer to set their goals? No, it, the studies look at how failure happens or success happens over a sustained period of time because you, you, you might have a goal which involves something that's going to take more than just a month to achieve. So it might take uh, you know, some time in the year. But uh, a lot of the studies and some of the more significant ones look at how over a two-year period things have changed and about, about 8% of people have fulfilled whatever it was their desire was at the start of the previous uh, year, two years on. And then there's a kind of a, a gradual decline uh, from the time people start off with all the great intentions, uh, people fall off along the way, all the way throughout. Have you set any resolutions for this year, 2017? No. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because if, if 40 to 50% of the population set resolution goals for themselves, it means that 
50 to 60% of the population do not. And um, amongst that, that kind of subdivides into subcategories, one of which is the cynics. Uh, so there are a lot of people who are very cynical about New Definitely Year's Definitely wouldn't have you down as one of those. No, and I don't fall into that category. But the interesting thing is when you do it as a career and as a profession and you're working with people all the time around change and managing change, um, you know, one, one of the values we have ourselves is authenticity. So we have to eat our own cooking. So I don't wait just until the uh, turn of the season to create a resolution. It's something that we do or I do personally on an ongoing basis I and probably fell into it when I was very, very young. A feeling that might be the, the way. How young? I, 19 to be specific. W- when you chose this career path and you started, yeah. wow. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, how it happened was I, like most people during the 1980s in Ireland, had uh, no idea what I wanted to do. And the one thing that seemed to be apparent because of the economy in the 80s was the brain drain was in full flow. And it was flowing outwards. So I uh, ended up finding myself out of out of the country and uh, found myself working for an American company who invested quite a bit in and it was in the sales and distribution area in southern Germany. And they invested very heavily in uh, helping you understand the psychology of selling. So the Americans have always been into the psychology behind life and sales in this case and um, they invested and I got exposed to so I was studying languages at university left university for a summer ended up working for an American company and they said right the first thing you need to do is read all this stuff so I became massively fascinated by um, the whole area of psychology and funnily enough when I was in Galway studying even though I was supposed to be studying languages I realized that I had a natural interest in human behavior and psychology and actually spent more time in the library reading the psychology section, even though it wasn't on the curriculum, than it was than I did studying Irish or French. Brilliant. So you knew at that age. And what I'm really interested in now is that, so you and your your team are in Flow um, and Flow Group and also in Greenline. You are always looking at setting and helping others achieve their goals. What should we be? I've made resolutions personally and professionally for for this year. Um, And quite realistic ones, I think, having learned um, some I've achieved in the past, most I probably haven't. So I've set them, but I would love your help. And I think people listening would too, on how do we go from thinking of them to realising them? So first step, if we even start with contemplation versus commitment. Yeah. Um, If you go back to the statistic of the percentage of people who set goals, some people set them because they are genuinely keen and genuinely committed to change. Uh, Many people set them because other people are setting them. (laughs) And, you know, getting back to the cynics who don't set them, they are actually triggered by the people who just set resolutions. So it becomes more of an act of conformity rather than an act of commitment. So you can straight away rule out if, if you're doing it because it's because it's something that somebody else does, it just be, you know, it, it, it's never going to last. So in order for any change to happen, the payoff at the end has got to be greater than the current situation that you're in. So the starting point always is to try to build a case um, for the change and make it so solid and so irrepressible or irresistible that you are impelled or motivated to act. So that's that. That's the first step. And most people or many people who fail, fail at the first step. They don't build a strong enough case for the 
the, the payoff and the motivation, you know, to create the motivation that's going to enable you that to That is brilliant. I saw Chris and um, Marie Grace, I think it is, on Operation Transformation, two of the leaders. And, and Marie had lost a child, um, very tragically, and she wanted to, she she had let herself, um, she, she didn't have time or interest or energy to put into her own self and looking after her own health. The weight got piled on. She now wants to be able to exercise and play and invest in her children, her two little girls. And she wants to get the weight off. I mean, that blew me over. I mean, that contemplation versus commitment, she has it all. Chris, who is um, has, has, has a, a prosthesis and he is after losing already over a stone in weight and again has a goal. His partner, Elaine, seems like an amazing woman from watching the TV show. And again, he wants time with them and their relationship. They're their first date in a year. So you can see it's exactly as you're saying. Their end goal is bigger, brighter, positive in comparison to where they started from and they're very very powerful and and, and it's inspiring for the rest of us isn't it yeah and, and you need to you need to keep it visible because what what is obvious when you stand back and look at it but isn't so obvious whenever you start off on things is that if you want to change from where you are to where you want to get to you've invested an awful lot of time effort energy getting to where you currently are so you, you know, obviously, changing habits is a critical ingredient to achieving any ch- any form of sustainable change. But um, you've invested a lot to create the habits that cause you to do the things that you currently do. So, for example, if you're prone to bad eating and you just eat the wrong foods, it's not that you were born eating the wrong foods. It's just a habit that you've developed and evolved. But you've invested an awful lot of time, you know. The, the time commitment to doing that and the effort involved in doing it to a point where it's a habit and you don't even think about it anymore. And exercise is the same. You know, if, if, if you're not prone to taking exercise, then the habit is not taking exercise. So what's going to happen is even if you embark on the journey, you are going to find times when you just feel like sitting on the couch or you just feel like reaching for the Pringles because that's what's going to come and bite you. And at that point, unless you have the willpower to stay on the wagon or get back on the horse. And predict, preceding that, you need to go back to the motivation. You know, it used to fascinate me, and this might seem unrelated, how when, uh, as a child, you went, to, you went to Mass every Sunday. And as a child, I used to think, well, this is unusual because uh, why do we go every Sunday? Because we hear the same messages. And the reason that you go to Mass every Sunday is you're just reinforcing, you know, you're going back to the core purpose all over again. So you do it once a week, every Sunday, you do it for an hour, and it keeps you on the wagon. So in the same way, you, you, need, to, you need to create something that's going to motivate you and, so that you can keep going back to it to get reinvigorated to stay on the wagon. That's great. Anyone just joining us now, I'm speaking to Ian McLean, founder of Flow Group and Greenline um, Conversations. Uh, the company is all about helping individuals, teams and organisations making change. And what we're looking at today, as we do every week in Lifestyle on RTE, the Lifestyle Show on RTE Extra, um, take the interviews, the best interviews from RTE.e forward slash lifestyle or also on the RT News Now app in the lifestyle section and find ways to help our lives motivate. And today we're talking about resolutions. How are you getting on with yours? The year is already well underway. How are your resolutions going? No worries and problems if they are not going where they could be going because Ian is here to help us look at what we did, look at what we decided and look at what we want out of this year and maybe help us get back on track or even get us properly on track for the first time. We spoke about contemplation 
versus commitment um, and we've also looked at resolving symptoms or causes the full details of this is going to be up on the website as well um, willpower Ian mm. so moving on to willpower you hear a lot about it and often I find as well with guys um, you know I've six brothers five sisters so you see a lot of a lot of different sides of things and gender uh, in the family but one thing with the guys is if they say I'm going to lose weight they just stop eating the bad foods and get really focused really quickly and it can't be that the guys have more that one gender has more willpower over the other what is it is it because of women being multitaskers we find it more difficult to um, focus on something just blind blindly focusing what is that why is willpower a difficult one for people and what's the story with gender um, it's an interesting one, willpower, because, you know, it's it's so critical. So if you have the commitment and you fall off the horse, you know, it, the, the, the research on um, the, those who succeed and don't don't succeed, one of the critical ingredients is willpower. Um, it doesn't matter what the resolution is. So it doesn't matter if the resolution is to, you know, improve my physical appearance or improve my relationship with a mother-in-law. The percentage of people who succeed, it's not resolution specific. So we talked about the whole idea of having, having enough motivation that you can c- continue to go back on it when you fall off the horse. And there's two, two things that, that are indicative of people who succeed versus those who don't. So if somebody has something and they have the motivation and they really are committed to it, and then something happens that causes them to fall. So let's say a smoker ends up, they're out on a night, on a night out with the guys or with the girls and they end up having a cigarette. It's how you respond to that in that, in that moment. Do you actually see it as something which is a failure and therefore you don't, you know, you say, well, I can't do this and here's the evidence? Or do you just get back on the horse and you, and, and willpower, they used to believe that willpower was like a muscle. So uh, the, the previous research had suggested that the more you exercise willpower and you find ways of exercising willpower, uh, the more you develop the muscle and the more willpower you have. Uh, the current research actually denigrates that entirely and thinks that it really just comes down to this idea of it's as simple as this if you believe you can do something and you're capable of pulling it off you're right if you believe that you're not (laughs) capable of pulling it off you're right (laughs) yeah that willpower is 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 gender agnostic it really comes down to a a a view and a, a belief in yourself as to whether you're capable or incapable of doing something and it literally becomes just about that, which kind of has a root in our self-image and how we see ourselves in the world and self-belief and self-talk and how we talk to ourselves in the world. So the person who has the cigarette on the night out, one version of the truth of that or interpretation is, look, here's the evidence. I'm no good at this. I never do this. I'll never be able to break the habit. And they stop. The opposite is, this is just a momentary setback. I know what not to do. And that person will just simply say, I'll avoid going out with the guys and the girls until such time as I've achieved it. And this is another uh, element of success and how people succeed is they avoid the situations or the things that are going to put them in danger or put them at risk or cause them to fall off the wagon. So they just actually manage the situations better. Brilliant. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The reason I started laughing there is because it was relief that if you believe you can do it, you can. If you believe you can't do it, you won't do it. So, you know, you're right on both occasions. I think that's brilliant. It's also terrifying. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it's absolutely terrifying. But, it, um, you know, if you take it into even beyond resolutions, 
anybody who achieves great things in life has got a very, very powerful set of imagery, self-imagery about themselves. Not an arrogant self necessarily, but just one where, you know, one of the interesting things, given that life has become more complicated, that uh, society's become more complex, work's become more difficult, you know, a lot of people are under an awful lot of pressure out there. And um, research into resilience and resilience development amongst, you know, people, people in the workplace or people outside of the workplace has become more, more and more pronounced. So this whole idea of, of resilience and having a mindset and a resilience mindset is, uh, is, is the foundation of it because there's a, a truth in psychology which is called cognitive dissonance where the outside world cannot conflict with the inside world of how you represent things to yourself. So if you have a, a very, very positive self-image and positive self-talk about yourself, um, you will inevitably find that result on the outside. Whereas if you have the opposite, then you're going to find the evidence to find, you know, to, to, to help you with that and to verify the fact that it's true. You can't have a, a, a conflict between the two, but dichotomy. What if you are believing yourself to be great, but in truth, you're not doing the work to back that up and therefore you do, the image of you is not backing that up. Yeah, that's called self-delusion. Yeah, what about that? Well, that, 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 that exists that, and that, ego comes into it, we all know. That absolutely exists. And, um, you know, people who are resilient have got a healthy self-image. Okay. And one which is, which is connected somewhat to what the real truth is. Mm. Plus, they're, they're, they tend to be pretty open-minded. So they, they go out and they validate things for themselves and they seek feedback and they receive feedback and they act on it. Self-delusion is where there's no, no recognition and attunement to the outside impact. So not aware of the impact that's being had. Close-mindedness to feedback and a close-mindedness to... Uh, other interpretations of what's what, what's going on. So resilience, one of those brilliant words, what does it mean? It's the ability to deal with or cope with the challenges that are current in your life. But determination needs to have a root or a foundation in something. A lot of it is down to how we perceive ourselves on the inside. Getting back to resolutions for a second and, and, and listing one of the top five res- resolutions that people have is to eat healthier and to be fitter and to take more exercise. I often wonder when people are eating unhealthily, if all you're trying to do is eat healthier and you just follow the tips and tricks to eat healthier, that might work in the short term. But normally, if people are eating unhealthily, in many cases, there is a deeper, more deep-rooted cause why people are eating unhealthily, for example. So they may be unhappy in something else, maybe unhappy in their relationship or in their workplace or with their bosses or... So quite apart from the ignorance or, you know, not not being aware, but there may be another cause and this is just a symptom. And trying to create a resolution to treat a symptom is never going to work if you don't deal with the more deep rooted cause. And what if the food is just tastier, the unhealthy one? Well, then, you know, there are a lot of people who are highly paid to make sure that it is tastier (laughs) to create some some level of addiction so that people go back to it. Yeah, good. Now, (coughs) so resilience. So it could be a mixture of um, ambition, determination, hard work, stubborn, perhaps. Um, but also, it, it tends to have a very positive connotation around it, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it you know, so go back to it. It's, a, it's about the ability to meet the challenges you have with the capacity or the resources that you that, that, that you possess. Brilliant. So the more complicated the challenges, the more difficult the challenges, the more capacity you're going to need. So it, it's, it's a balancing act all the time. So if you have a very simple life, uh, with a simple routine and you don't have a lot of pressure, 
well then the resilience that you require is far less than if you're trying to run a home if you're trying to run a business if you're trying to you know do sport if you're trying to uh, travel um, if you're trying to manage your relationships in your family you know that 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 then then you require a much greater level of of, of resilience uh, in order to do that and it's physical and mental it is and um, one of the things so we've started with contemplation versus commitment also resolving symptoms or causes willpower one line that you have in there and obviously other brands can also apply um, it applies to less willpower more paddy power or Ladbrokes or any of the others yeah th- we're not encouraging gambling but th- yes th- th- this is because uh, I, I have uh, I've written about horse racing for 20 years uh, in the Sunday Independent until last year. Uh, so therefore, people people recognize the fact that I have an interest and a knowledge about horse racing. So um, sometimes the two careers overlap. So how can I help change habits that I have connected to horse racing? And in one instance, I had somebody who I know very well who came to me and said, you know, um, I need to stop losing money. I need to, I need to, you know, I enjoy a bet, but I want to turn things from being a loser into being a winner. Okay. So how do I do that? So the response that I gave was, I said, well, step one is you need to make a list. And he said, make a list of what? And I said, you need to make a list of every bet you have and you need to record it. So uh, he says, OK, I'll go off and do that. So I met him about three weeks later and I said, Sean, how's the list coming along? And he said, oh, yeah, the list. Yeah, he said, I did that for a while. He said, but when I saw how much money I was losing, I stopped. Oh, my God. And, you know, there's a truth in here as well, is that people want to change, but not too much. Wow. Or, or they think they want to change something, but they're not prepared to pay the price. So e- e- even the discipline of keeping a list, the realization and the awareness that, you know, that I'm actually losing something, having to face up to it, but not, but not having the resilience to actually face up to it. Do you know, if we look at two of the things that you said there, because I'm, I'm, I'm aware of time ticking away in a scene, but basically eating healthily, just let's take that one, because as you said, it's one of the top five most common yeah. resolutions for people. What is and could be, for example, a, co- a, re- a goal, a reason for doing that as so that people would stick to versus one that won't be adhered to. As you said, only 8% of people stick with their resolutions yep. over two years. So what would be, a, in your view, um, and obviously it depends on the person, but what would be, give us an example of a reason that would help people stick with that and also give them the willpower and everything else that they need to stick through um, versus something that is only going to last a couple of weeks? If, if I was asked this on a professional basis, the first question that I would ask the person, because I can give you an answer that might suit me. Yes. But everybody will have their own answer to that question. So the first thing I would ask is, if you ate healthily and you succeeded in doing it, what is the biggest thing that you would feel would benefit you from doing that? When you imagine that to be the case, why is that the most important thing? Now, for one person, it could be, because I want to be a role model for my kids and I want them to eat healthily. And that could be the reason. That's good. It could be simply because I want to fit into the tuxedo that I haven't fit into and there's an event on in November and I'm up for an award. Now, there are two completely different reasons why you would want but to eat, eat healthily and they will be individually specific. But And, and the, key, the key ingredient here is to ask the, que- the right question 
and and come up with the answer that fits for you. Okay, another one then. I'm not trying to. Yeah. Te- well, I am. As giving up smoking, everybody knows that smoking is not healthy. It's it's we we don't need to spend time in that. So with that, that is the obvious answer to be more healthy, to live longer. Why is that not the case? Reason why is that not enough for people? There are people who know more about smoking addiction than me. So so when we work, most of the work that we do is not around addictions. So I'm not an expert in addiction. Um, the one thing, because some of the, a lot of the studies around resolutions and because, again, smoking tends for smokers is in the top three uh, on an annual basis. It, it tends to be around, it comes back to the same principle of when you are out and you fall off and you, you have the cigarette, how do you respond as soon as you've had that cigarette? And, and it's in that moment that you make the decision either to get back on and, and, and keep trying or you, or you don't. And, you know, having, having a group of people like a support group that you can talk to is very, very helpful in this instance here because everybody's in a situation where they fall off the wagon at some point. And rather than <clears throat> feeling alone and that you're the only person falling off the wagon and you don't have the tenacity to stick with it and have that kind of self-talk going on, which is demotivating and gets you off, it, it, it almost is taking it a step at a time. So every time you fall, that you, you have the resilience again, uh, which is based on, ba- based on the desire, but also the, 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 the self-belief to, get, to get, back on, get back on board. Brilliant. So finally, when you have people coming in at this time of the year and you're doing workshops and things, yeah. what are the key focus points that you do to get, the, again, this whole um, resolution, dilution, getting people to reach their goals professionally throughout the year? To take the mass example again, and going back every Sunday, people believe if they, on the 4th of January, which was the first working day this year, if they decide that they're going to do something, that it's magically going to happen uh, as long as they've just done that and they've maybe got a first step. You need to keep going back to it and reviewing it and re- revisiting it. So continually going back to it. You know, it's interesting in organizations, 70% of corporate change organizations fail. And, and part of the reason that they fail, or one of the reasons is because the clarity around the motivation for change is they don't go back and revisit that sufficiently. So going back and revisiting it, then having an action, you know, that you're going to take, because often if you're going to transform something, an operation transformation, you won't do it in one jump. You know, you're not going to lose two stone in one week. You're going to do it in stages. So you need to have a, a plan that enables you to have those stages mapped out. So what's the first step? And you commit yourself to one action because it's far easier to take one action. So it's the whole idea of the elephant. How do you eat one? You take it a bite at a time. You're not going to eat a whole elephant. So you break it down. And at a time where, you know, where you miss the scheduled personal trainer meeting that you got, what you do then is rather than saying, oh, I never do these, I never fulfill them. And then you don't go back to it. You actually just reappoint and you go back the second time. And then you keep going. So it's, it's a dance between getting back on the wagon and being kind to yourself that even if you don't fulfill it immediately, you will fulfill it in the end and going back to the reasons and the motivations for doing it. And, you know, very often it's like when you're on a voyage, the, 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 the holiday is never exactly as you imagine it. It's always a bit different when you get there. You know, the map and the territory are two different things. So the motivation you have for doing something in the first instance might not last all the way throughout a 12 month period or a six month period. You may need to go back and do it. You know, the, the whole idea, and I'm getting a little corporate here, there's a book which is interesting out there, just released tail end of last year, which is called The End of Competitive Advantage. And what it says is 
that the whole idea of having a competitive advantage and then working everything around that, by the time you've got to working everything around your competitive advantage, because things have changed, you, 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 it, it no longer prevails. So you're better off doing things in bite-sized pieces, bite-sized, and revisiting whether it's valid anymore. So, you know, by April, most of the things that you might have desired or thought you desired, you might find that actually you want to go in a different direction. So not being stuck with the one thing that you decided you were going to do on the, on the 3rd of January, on your birthday, yeah. um, just to continue to revisit and review it. Okay. And, you know, back to what you asked me at the very start, reason I don't set re- resolutions is because it's an ongoing process of constant review. And I think for us punters, we need to start first and get <laughs> until we get to your level. And for that, um, I'm grateful for your advice. So we had um, on resolution dilution. So contemplation versus commitment, resolving symptoms or causes, willpower and getting us to the point then of reviewing as we go all the way. And that is Ian McLean, who was talking to us there from Flow Group and also Greenline Conversations. And that's it for me, Tara Lock- Grant, you can see the written piece, the feature to go with this interview on RT Radio and Extra. You'll find it on rt.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of RTE News Now and also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Ian, thank you so much for joining me. Many thanks. The Lifestyle Show with Tyra Lockery Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.